Welcome back to another episode of the Sophie Kessner podcast. In today's episode, we're going to continue the conversation that we have started in regards to trauma and business. Now, as mentioned in episode 14, the conversation of trauma and business is a very nuanced and thorough conversation that needs to be had. In the previous episode, if you haven't listened, I would highly recommend going back and doing so uh, because we touched on some of the fundamental components of why trauma tends to be so much more prevalent in the entrepreneurial space, uh, especially for folks who have a knack for high achieving and high stress tolerance. So in this episode, I want to explore a little bit more of the counter side of that and how we begin to resource, work through, and navigate the terrain that comes with being an online business owner or just a business owner in general, having increased visibility, a sense of increased folks who are looking at you, providing feedback, sharing their opinions of you, especially in the online world and for folks who are online brands or personal brands, and how how we actually move through this process of growing and creating a, a bigger brand, generating more revenue in a way that's also sustainable and nourishing for all of us. And when I say that, I mean the whole person that you are, meaning that it's not going to put you into a place where you are feeling like you are living in a constant space of hypervigilance or urgency or tunnel vision, but rather you're able to be present in your life, in your day-to-day, where you're able to move through the process of the growth in a way that actually feels good and enlivening. And this is different than just the conversation of only do what feels good for you. Um, I, I think that that can have some substance to it, but it feels like it's also easy to misinterpret. Uh, Because the reality is business is not always things that we enjoy. And especially if you're somebody who naturally wants to be more of a creative person, the creative side of your business might be thriving. But as soon as there becomes more management or more operational components that need and require attention, the business can start to feel really daunting. So I want to start this episode with sharing a little bit of a personal story uh, and and why this is a conversation I want to have. And part of that conversation I've I've talked about previously uh, with clients and on social media here and there over the years, and that's the conversation or, or the story of navigating this interesting pattern of building something up really fast getting it to a point to where it's really big and going and it has a lot of momentum and then burning it all down. You're getting bored with it and then starting all over again. This is a very fun thing to do, uh, especially if you are somebody who has a history of a very disorganized uh, family upbringing or background. And for me, that is very true. Uh, my my family history and my uh, lived experience through my youth uh, would rate very high on the ACE scoring, the adverse childhood experiences. And because of that, I have a high risk tolerance. I have a high risk tolerance for 
dealing with change and adversity and uh, lots of shifts. In fact, for my system, uh, one of the biggest pieces that I've had to continue to work through is feeling safe in stability. Now I'll say that a little slower so that it, it's clear. To have stability feel safe for me to be in for extended periods of time. Now, why is that? That's because so much of my younger life was not stable. It was constantly changing, constantly shifting, constantly adapting. And that became a cadence that felt normal. And so the protective strategy or the coping mechanism that was developed was to always be prepared for change, to always be prepared for things to shift. And then how do you facilitate a sense of control in these situations? Well, you change them before they require you to change. <laughs> you can predict it when you choose to change it. And to a certain degree, like all coping strategies, this can be a very supportive and helpful strategy. It is something that we adapt into in order to survive. So at some point, this way of navigating the world and navigating life was supportive and it did help me. And it has been something that has been hugely beneficial for me. And there are also times when coping mechanisms and our survival strategies can become outdated, uh, can no longer be helpful. But if we haven't learned new strategies, then we will continue to go back and revert to previous ones, even if they're not helping anymore. And the reason being is because that feels more familiar, therefore safer than trying to do something different or new. Now, if you're uh, somebody who can resonate with the conversation of instability or constant change uh, or just a lot of chaos in your home life growing up, uh, and especially into adolescence, then you may also feel similarly where stability, normalcy, things of the sort feel kind of boring. Uh, you have a, a, a knack for wanting more adrenaline in your life, more busyness, more chaos. There's this constant sense of adventure. Now, we're caveating all of this by saying, None of this is inherently bad or wrong. What we want to do is we want to understand how it shows up and when does it become that the strategy or mechanism is taking over and we're no longer present in the process because that is when these types of strategies, mechanisms, behavior patterns have the potential to become less supportive and potentially, potentially a little bit more harmful and, and non-supportive of what we're trying to create. And an example of this is an example of this is, is looking at business as a main vehicle for creating a sense of uh, safety in your life. Now, a lot of entrepreneurs thrive in the face of adversity. This is what they're here for. They have a high risk tolerance. And so they want to go really big, really fast. And we unpacked a lot of this in uh, episode two around the attention merchant business model, and then in episode one on toxic capitalism and performative business. 
Uh, so if you haven't listened to those, go back. Uh, I'll reference them a few more times. But essentially, what we see in the entrepreneurial space is, is there tends to be a high drive for more and an always seeking yet never satisfied experience within ourselves. We are insatiably hungry for more success, more growth, and nothing ever feels like it's enough. So no matter what we do, how much we do it, how well we do it, how fast we do it, we have a constant desire to be doing more. Now, again, this is not inherently bad or wrong, but where it can become potentially ineffective or unhelpful is when we get lost in the pattern and we don't know how to turn it off. When our entire life becomes bigger, better, faster, stronger, more, 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 more. And we never have the ability to actually slow down and be present and feel safe in the process of slowing down and being present. And the reason being is oftentimes when we've lived our whole life in a space of hypervigilance, slowing down means that we're not prepared. It means that if something comes, it could potentially hurt us, harm us. So we're constantly living in a state of protection, a state of readiness for a threat, whatever that threat might be, whether it be change, whether it be somebody coming, whatever the experience was in your earlier life that you find yourself always ready to fight against or to run from one or the other or both. <laughs> now I'm just going to invite everyone who's listening uh, to just go ahead and wiggle your toes and your fingers and move a little in your chair. Uh, oftentimes when we start to have these conversations, it can bring up content and feelings and emotions. So wherever you are right now, I'm just going to invite you to feel your seat wherever you're sitting or if you're standing, feeling your feet on the floor, feeling where your ankles connect your feet to your legs and just rolling that joint a little bit to feel the rest of your body. Curling the toes, if you can crack them, great. If not, that's okay. And just moving the legs a little bit, noticing that you have a body, that you have agency, that in this moment you are safe. And then take a deep breath. Great. So when we're talking about business and the pattern that shows up here, we want to figure out how do we actually support somebody who is constantly in that space of needing to be on always, while also making sure that they are well taken care of and aren't falling into or oscillating in between a space of hypervigilance and hyper arousal to a space of hypo arousal. And what hypo arousal refers to is a space where we become in some ways incapacitated. Uh, and this can show up and look different, but uh, the way that I'll, I'll describe it in this episode is where we feel numb. There's a numbness to it. And numbness can exist in multiple realms, but the numbness we're talking about here is a hollowness a sense of uh, emptiness, a void, like the world is just moving way too fast and you can't keep up, a, a sense of hopelessness, despair, a grief can come up here, uh, feeling stuck, incapable, unable. And oftentimes the state is referred to as a freeze space, 
because it feels that way. You feel cold. You you can't really feel anything. You just feel disconnected from your sense of self, your sense of aliveness, and from life itself. And in this space, it can feel really far away to imagine doing or being anything. But often the pattern that we've seen and that we talk about quite a bit in these podcast episodes is the oscillation between that space of go, 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 and getting to the point to where you reach a a point of burnout uh, or, or just overwhelm and the system can't handle anymore. It's excreted all of the energy that it has. And so then it goes into and it forces itself into a shutdown. There's no creativity. There's no energy. You can't think. You can't make decisions. Everything feels hard. It feels really confusing. The thing that used to be fun isn't anymore. And then it's staying there and figuring out how to get out of that. Now, when we're working with these responses, depending on where you are in that process, it's going to be a very different strategy, a very different uh, process for unpacking and unraveling. And so I'll speak lightly to each, but what I want to put a disclaimer on here is that this is work that you absolutely should be doing with a professional who is licensed, certified, or trained in trauma. Now, this does not mean trauma-informed. Trauma-informed practitioners have the awareness of what trauma is and how it might show up and how to regulate out of it. Trauma-informed does not mean that these folks are necessarily equipped to work directly on the trauma and help you actually process it. So it's really important in this conversation and as we continue down the topic of trauma work that you have resources. Now, if you are looking for a practitioner, I always recommend going to the traumahealing.org page or site and they have a find a practitioner uh, link on there with a library full of practitioners that are all trained and certified all over the globe and multiple languages. So if you are looking for somebody to support you with that, you can go on there, uh, see if you can find somebody who's local to you. If you're finding that any of this conversation or topics are are a bit more arousing or uh, activating, then you can go ahead and and go there and, and, and check out those resources. So when we're working with this, the first thing that we want to look at, and oftentimes the, the place where I, where I have most of my clients come, is in the downfall of the experience. And in the downfall, it's very much that place where everything feels gray. They feel stuck. They feel overwhelmed. The emotions are too much. There's a, a sense of feeling lost or confused or not knowing what they want or who they are, or what they're going to do or what direction to go in. And everything just feels hard. And these tend to be indicators of moving through a space of freeze uh, where the system doesn't necessarily have capacity to do more. There's no energy or life force left or available because the system is in such a space of shutdown. Now, if the system is familiar to you, the process for it is one of slowness one of patience, one of space, 
when we're working with deep freeze, we cannot try to enforce an agenda or speed onto it because that'll only continue to perpetuate this defense response. And this defense response shows up when it doesn't feel like it can do anything else. Now, let me backtrack a little bit and give you a little, a little more context here. When we're infants in our first experience of life, we really only have two ways of communicating. <laughs> we uh, cry and we scream. And that is all we have that we can do because we don't have mobility. We don't have agency. We don't have a way to communicate. And so our, our cry or our scream or our yelling or our sense of being displeased is a way to try to communicate that we need something, that we're not okay. And so you can interpret this as a bit of uh, some activation or arousal in the system. So we're feeling hyper aroused. We uh, tantrum, we cry, we scream, we yell uh, in, in a way to try to alert the caretaker that we need something, that we need attention, we need, we need whatever it is that we need, food, water, connection, love, safety, protection. And in the case that the caretaker does not respond or responds in a way that blames the behavior, makes the behavior wrong, you can think of like a, an infant or a newborn crying themselves to sleep um, or an infant or a newborn crying and then being yelled at or being shooken. Uh, and I want to, again, just emphasize that as we talk about this, some of this content may be activating. So please take care of yourself, wiggle your feet, move your body, make sure that you're in a place where you feel safe. Uh, and if it, this is bringing up any content or emotional experience for you, I'm just going to invite you to hit pause on this and take some time away from this episode before coming back to it. And to look around the room, notice where you are, notice that it's the present day. Naming the objects that you see. Notice that there's people around you. And again, just connecting to the feet, to the chair. You have agency. You are here. You are safe. So as the system of this type of infant experiences the response, whether it be met with a fierceness and a ferocity that attacks or it feels like it's coming at, the infant system will retreat. It'll, it'll shut down. It'll cave in. And you can see this a lot of the times in the body posture. There's a hunched overness. There's a downward uh, gaze. There's oftentimes an aversion to eye contact. You'll see this a lot of the times when there's a lot more of an oppressive style of parenting that the uh, person or individual experienced growing up. Now, this is in response to uh, an intense system coming at you or at the at the system at the infant the other way that this shows up is in the neglect of it the lack thereof the absence of anything and this would be the scenario where there's a crying and a pleading for help but nobody comes and so the system learns that 
there's no point in, in some ways that, that if it cries, no one will come. And so it stops. It will eventually no longer cry or ask for help because when it does, nobody comes. And these are the ways in which from a very early pre-verbal and pre-cognitive place, we start to develop the foundation for how we move through the world and how we move through life. Now, there's so many things in, in the child development and parenthood and all of these pieces uh, in conversations about what's right and what's wrong. And I, I don't want to create a stigma around anything. Uh, in, inside of this episode. Uh, I, I think parents are always doing the best they can with what they have. And when they learn better, they do better. And I think the best thing that we can do as the next generation is continue to give to our children what we wished we would have been given ourselves. And that is how we start to change and shift things. Now, back to the process of working with this pattern in real time in the present day self what we're navigating here is first developing a sense of safety and connection is helping the individual or the system in front of you and when i say system i'm referring to the nervous system uh, the the, the build the, the makeup of, of how this person operates and the patterns that exist inside of it. When you're working with this, we have to create safety. Now, when there's something that comes up that feels like it's too much for somebody and they default into this sense of feeling stuck, overwhelmed, on not knowing, unsure, confused, really rigid, really stiff, or really flaccid, meaning uh, really limp. We need to give it presence and connection and safety. And how we do that is not by trying to <laughs> egg it on or push, uh, but depending on the context of your work, it, it's allowing space and using uh, simple tools to help resource and orient back to the here and now. And when we're working with a system that has been deep, deep into a freeze response or into shutdown, it, it will take time. It will take time and patience. And the first thing that we'd want to do is just help it say, hey, see if you can notice somebody is here with you in this moment. See if you can notice where you are in this moment. See if you can find a sense of safety in this moment. Noticing your feet, where you're sitting, where you're standing, if your body is making contact with a bed or a couch or a chair, any objects, recognizing that you have agency, wiggling toes and fingers, moving the limbs, moving the head if you can, looking around the room to begin to bring your system back to the present moment. And when you slowly do this over time, it'll start to thaw 
And what I mean when I say thaw is we'll be able to start to come out of some of that freeziness and notice that the breath is able to go deeper down into the belly, that the body either feels more relaxed or more present, that the vision becomes slightly clearer, and we feel more here. We feel more in connection to ourselves and to life. Now, this might start really minute and in micro stages where it doesn't feel very big. And it's a lot bigger than we think. Starting to take these steps is the foundation for building capacity in our lives. If we do not feel safe in our body or in or the way in where we are in the world, then it is incredibly challenging and hard to do any of the deeper work because we're not doing it from a place of deep restorative space. We're doing it from a place of feeling on edge and not actually allowing our system to fully be here now, which if you are somebody who experienced a lot of change, absence, or oppressiveness in the way that your primary caretakers uh, held you in your early years and throughout life. Developing trust with somebody who is trained to where you can start to feel held and safe and supported is imperative for the renegotiation process. Because as you do this work, your system will slowly over time orient to feeling safe with itself and feeling safe in relation to other and being able to come out of the freeze, out of the shutdown, out of the numbness. And when we start to do this, there's a little bit of a counter uh, counter experience that will happen, and that is the experience of a lot of emotion coming up, uh, uh, memories, things of the sort, because the shutdown comes as a way to suppress, to isolate. Now, what's interesting in, in this conversation is uh, functional freeze. And functional freeze is essentially when we've learned how to navigate the world in a place of being numb. <laughs> you can't really tell that somebody is experiencing symptoms of depression or uh, isolation or, or uh feeling at war with himself, but internally they are experiencing all of that. Internally they are constantly berating themselves, questioning themselves, doubting themselves, feeling overwhelmed. Externally they're very quiet and they can navigate and move through it. And this tends to be very prevalent in the entrepreneurial world because most folks <laughs> learn how to navigate and work through it, whether they are um, inundating themselves with caffeine, whether they're using stimulants, whether they're uh, pushing past boundaries or trying to use substances or adrenaline or whatever the case may be to get out of the freeze and, and try to move past uh, the, the freeze that's in their system. Now, these aren't things that are bad or wrong. And this isn't to say that you should never use caffeine or that stimulants are bad or don't do this or don't do that. Uh, but what it's what I am trying to hit on here is that if we become hyper dependent on these tools in order to function 
it tends to be walking an interesting line where we want to start to unravel. Okay. How am I without it? When I don't take this thing, what happens? What do I notice? Do I go into a total collapse or shutdown? Do I feel like I can't function or operate in the world? And this isn't to say that this is only the case in relation to trauma. Uh, There are many other factors that can contribute to the need for things, whether you have um, different disorders, diagnoses, uh, whether you're dealing with chronic symptoms, illnesses. Uh, But what we are speaking about here is just getting curious about what happens when, where the need for it is coming from, how it supports you. And in the entrepreneurial space, the reason why we want to address this is because if we have a hyperdependence on things like caffeine to get us to function and move throughout the day, and we're taking exponentially more than the recommended dose just to function, eventually our system will be in such a place of overdrive for so long that it will shut down naturally. And this is where we see uh, experiences of burnout. So I bring this up not to shame or make wrong, uh, but to bring awareness to what's underneath it. And ideally addressing things from a more preventative space, meaning instead of waiting until we get to a place of shutdown and collapse, we start to address the things earlier on. And that way we never have to go into that collapse. We never have to get to rock bottom to unpack and unravel the experiences that we're having inside of ourselves. Now, coming back to the conversation of the business owner and how the business owner or the entrepreneur manages and navigates life, it may not always be an option for us to slow down, to be more present, to be able to take a step back, especially if you are somebody who's a parent, a caretaker, the sole breadwinner, the person who's financially responsible. These are the things that you have to do. And so we have to approach the conversation from multiple angles and lenses. And uh, we talked a lot about financial literacy, about debt in episodes five, uh, six, seven, and I want to say eight as well, uh, and how we can start to look at that from a more logical lens to support ourselves when we're needing to go into seasons of sabbaticals or breaks or, or just taking less on. Uh, whether that means taking on less responsibility and less clients so we can have more space to do the deeper work when we are moving through really big emotional processes and how we prepare ourselves for those seasons so that it doesn't put us into a place uh, where we are in financial scarcity or financial risk. And and when I say financial scarcity, I'm talking about the pragmatic component of it. When there's a legitimate inability to pay for your bare minimal living expenses uh, and and jeopardizing your ability to work. We want to make sure that you have resources uh, and figuring out how can you support yourself. And a big part of this conversation, as we talked about in previous episodes, and especially in episode one on toxic capitalism and performative business, is reevaluating the way in which we build our businesses, the way in which we navigate the world and where this idea and ideology of what it needs to look like is actually coming from. Because if we can 
approach that piece and meet it at the center of where it was originated, then we can start to shift things from the inside out. We can start to shift the way in which we navigate and approach life. And one of my favorite things uh, to hear from clients when we're doing this work is I no longer feel like I need to be going all the time. I no longer feel like I need to be on 24 seven. I no longer feel like I need to rush through this process or like I need to be going. I, I feel like I have a renewed sense of trust. Like I can move at my own pace. And this is how we can start to notice when the system is really shifting is when that sense of urgency and emergency, that sense of I need to always be going faster, I'm doing more, go, 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 fades and dissipates because we are shifting our ability to actually be more present and feel safer in a slower pace. When we're able to slow down, it does not mean that we can't have success, that we cannot achieve, that we cannot do the things we want to do in the world. It just means we're able to do those things with more presence. And the reason why for so many people, presence and pacing and slowing down feels terrifying or uncomfortable is because there's a, a fear around losing the momentum, being left behind, not being able to get there in time uh, or, or missing out in some way. And all of these can be uh, rooted back to some earlier pieces in how we experienced ourselves or the world. The irony in it is when we allow ourselves to pace, to slow down, to shift the way in which we navigate the speed at which we're moving, we're actually able to experience so much more in the process, but it looks different. And we talked a lot about values and life decisions uh, in one of the previous episodes, so please go back and check that out. Uh, but what we want to understand here is if we no longer want to perpetuate a culture of urgency, a culture of burnout, a culture of constantly needing to be on the run, doing more, bigger, better, faster, then we have to start with where that exists within us. And I'll compare this to the conversation of uh, anti-racism uh, and a phrase that's oftentimes used or a, a saying that's talked about a lot is racism inherently exists inside all of us because it exists within the culture. It's the air that we breathe and whether we inherently see it or not uh, does not negate the fact that it's there. And part of what we're doing is unlearning we're unlearning in the same way we are needing to unlearn how to show up and how to operate and what to value in the same way we are unlearning what it means to be successful how to build a business how to show up online how to do all of these things in the same way we're unlearning what it means to be a human in the world what it means to feel a sense of aliveness connection love safety belonging purpose and coming back to a place to where we can feel at home in ourselves, in the world, 
in the way in which we build and we can find a sense of peace in the process, a sense of trust in the process. And again, this isn't to say that you won't have seasons of going and getting things done and pushing and growing, but it is to say that in those seasons, you will be able to be more present, more intentional, to be able to show up with a greater sense of purpose and aliveness in the process, that you will have fierce boundaries and a sense of knowing in who you are, that nothing can stop you in your path, that nobody can tell you or sway you or derail you from what you're doing and you are moving at a pace that is nourishing and sustainable for the long run. So you have the capacity to do it until you get to where you're gonna go. So I hope that you enjoyed a little bit of the unpacking in regards to how trauma shows up uh, in the entrepreneurial space when it comes to <laughs> business owners navigating the overwhelm and the deep freeze, as well as this hypervigilance and this go, go, go that shows up. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, as always, please, please, please uh, share with your audience, with your friends, with your family. Uh, leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast player, whether that's iTunes or Spotify. It means the world to me. Uh, and it also helps to get this content out into the ears of more listeners, uh, which is part of part of the work. It's part of shifting, shifting the way in which we show up. So thank you for being here. If you have questions, feel free to reach out at hey at the sacred.ceo. Uh, if you are looking for pieces around trauma support, you can check out my site at somaticswithsof.com uh, to learn more about the trauma work that I do with business owners. And if you are curious about business work in general, you can look at my main site, sophiekessner.com. Uh, all of that will be inside of the blog that will be paired with this episode. All right, y'all, I will see you on the next episode.